Welcome to another episode of The Ryan Show. I'm, of course, Ryan. I'm joined by my friend Tiffany. As we talk to you guys about something that people apparently failed to fucking uh, grasp when they were kids or even in high school, it's civics. Um, before the year started, Tiff talked about, my friend Tiff talked about uh, doing something in terms of civics 101 because it feel I feel like a lot of people as they get as they've gotten older or just in general are just willingly stupid ass people. You know, so that's why I brought my friend on uh, Tiffany on to uh, help educate the dumbasses to help ed- educate the dumbasses. So Tiff, welcome to the podcast. Welcome. How are you? I'm here. Uh, uh, well, the Saints didn't make the playoffs, so um, well, my cowboy, my Cowboys did. So you should root for them on Sunday. I would That's rather. What- I would rather root. I, I would rather root for Iraq than root for the Cowboys. <laughs> like I'm, I'm from, I'm from Memphis, so. <laughs> Memphis is a huge cow. Memphis is a very huge cowboy city, and in my hometown, it was either the Cowboys or the Steelers. And in Memphis, we have a thing called the Southern Heritage Classic, and they had like this. These cowboy fans got into a fight with Steeler fans during the parade during the Southern Heritage Classic. And that and that was like the thing that made me not want to be a fan of the Cowboys. I, I mean, the people who I know that are real diehard Cowboy fans, they are very nice and very realistic. But some of the ones I ran into, Tiffany, here in New Orleans when I went to the Saints Cowboys game, they were some of the most unruly, uncultured motherfuckers I had ever seen in my life. I'm talking about they got into a fight in the stands. Lord. And their team was winning. See that? See that blue Cowboys fans? I don't really mess with because I've been to Cowboys Stadium plenty of times, and it's so funny because when you go to the stadium, right, it's a totally different vibe. It's more like you know, like older people, like professionals, like people that actually have money to afford to go to these games. You know what I mean? So it's a totally different vibe than when you're out of town. Like here in in DC, there's a whole bunch of um, Cowboy fans but they're from they're local to here so they have a, they have a totally different perspective than people in texas it's a it's a weird thing but i get why people don't like the cowboys because some of our fans are assholes but yes i'm not i'm not one of those people so i hope that you know that well, well I, I i i you know in the time i've followed you i i know for a fact that you're not one of those but i do know that the reason why dc has a lot of cowboy fans is because the Washington team was like the last to integrate and the Cowboys had a lot of a lot of black players. So I think that was why um there were so many cowboy fans in DC because of the Washington team being hesitant to integrate. Well that makes sense. Things. That makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. But yeah, I, there is definitely like, and my husband and my daughter went to the game in early December and it was like half and half. So yeah, DC definitely has a lot of Cowboy fans. And so it's very interesting when you go to the games here. They're fun though. But yeah, there was I mean, a lot of like I say, there they're fun. I mean, the, the Saints Cowboy rivalry is to me the big rivalry in the state of Louisiana, if you're just talking about in terms of like just NFL team, like NFL team, apart from Saints Falcons, you have Saints Cowboys. Like like those are the two like most Southern teams, right? Because Florida really doesn't count. Nobody really cares about them. And nobody cares about the Miami Dolphins. And then you have the two main Southern teams would be the Cowboys. And and, I mean, the Houston, the Houston Texans don't really count. I don't know. They're, they're very Southern, but they're, Nobody, they're newer, you know what I mean? They're not like yeah. of their city. So 
the the I, I always like when we play the, the New Orleans Saints because I always like the fans because y'all have some good fans like y'all y'all like us y'all really into it like you really and y'all know the game right so it's not like it doesn't feel like you know like sometimes when you fight with people that that watch football they don't really know the game but Saints fans typically know the game which is good yes I I would say this um. It's it's sort of like the Green Bay Packers like with with the city and the team. It's like the Green Bay Packers. It's like you can't go anywhere without seeing someone wearing something Saints related. Right. And, you know, with the Cowboys and Saints. um, Northern Louisiana tends to go more for the Cowboys and Southeast Louisiana. And, you know, the southern part of the state, if you're like below Alexandra, they tend to go more for the Saints. So whenever they play each other, it's like a house of uh, a house of divided, a house divided and stuff. But, you know, I, I, I you know, I, I, I like cowboy fans to a certain degree. It's just that some of them are just fucking obnoxious. Yeah, I agree. See, as a Cowboys fan, I can definitely agree with that because I have seen them in action and they can be extremely obnoxious. Even my husband, when he went to the game here, he was like, like, I'm telling you, it's a totally different vibe. You don't see fights in Cowboys Stadium, right? You see fights in other stadiums. So yes. So he's like, why the hell are these people fighting? Like they, my daughter was like, that was her first time going. She was like, these people are crazy. So these Cowboys fans, they, they're just, they, they, I think they purposely go to other people's stadiums to just be antagonists. And we were winning. Like there was no point in them doing any of that stuff. Like he was mad. He was like, y'all give us a bad name, blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, I was laughing. I was like, you see, that's why I stayed my behind home. Cause I ain't got the patience to deal with I don't blame you. Um, I know for a fact that I will never go to a Saints Falcons game in Atlanta ever because I don't trust my feelings and I hate that team so much that I think if they lost, if they lost a game against that team in Atlanta, I might try to strangle somebody. So it's like, I might try to, like, it's like Falcon fans are very trashy. They're like, I've heard that. I have heard that before. Like people don't like. I know some people that are like Carolina fans, and they told me they can't stand the Falcons. And I'm like, I've never been there, so I don't really know. And they're not really like our rival. So, but I could see, I could see how they kind of, you know, could be a pain in the ass. They are like complete pain in the ass. And what people don't realize is that the stadium there is in the worst part of downtown Atlanta. It's right by Magic City, the Greyhound bus station, and the Martyr train station. <laughs> I'm serious. It's like, it's like, it's right there. I've and seen it. I don't, I've seen it when I've gone to Atlanta, but I've never like, I think I've seen it from the airplane. And I was like, oh, this is in a weird spot. But then I think I drove by it when I was there too. And I was like, I don't, where the hell am I? Like, it's crazy. really in the worst part of this of downtown Atlanta, and the story goes is that they tore down a church to build, uh, to build that. They built they built that they built that, and the Georgia Dome, on top of a uh, uh on, of a of a former church. Uh, it was a black owned. Uh, it was a black neighborhood. Well, of course. And. I mean, they did that with the uh, FedEx form in Memphis. Like they built it right by the projects. Crazy. Yeah, but that's not why we're here. We're uh, talking about civics. And Tiffany, I have a healthy knowledge of civics. Uh, But I try tonight get into arguments with people about who should they blame because for them it's very easy to blame um 
well, I was going to say, it's very easy to blame the executive branch. And I'm like, okay, the executive branch, in this case, the president, he's just a figurehead. The legislative make the laws. And why are we so conditioned to blame the executive branch when shit goes wrong? Well, I, I think because that's who people know, and it also goes back to who people vote for, right? So every four years, it's like a big thing, you know, the president, we got to vote for the president. But then midterms come and we totally forget about, you know, the legislative branch. Like we don't even, we don't even think about it as, you know, throughout the year. I mean, through, when Trump was in office, no one thought about the legislative branch because they ain't do nothing. They only did judges. So now it's like, okay, here we are and we have a president who is a Democrat, which is great. And we have two chambers of the legislative branch, which is the Senate and the House of Representatives, both Democrats. So, so that's what people, that people know that, right? We, it's all death. That's what, that's what the top line says, right? But then they don't dig any deeper to understand what that means. So we have a Senate that's a 50-50 Senate, right? There's no room for error. We need every single Democrat to vote on a bill because we need to have 51 votes since it's a tie, VP is a tiebreaker. But if you don't have those 50, VP is irrelevant and at that point. You have to have the 50 votes. And people assume because, it, because we say, oh, the Senate is Democrat, that means that we automatically have 50 votes. No, we actually have typically 48 and two who are on the fence. And then we get into, you know, these mansion cycles, cinema doesn't know what she wants to do. And we're kind of going back and forth. So we do not, so the way I look at it, it's a math thing, right? We have 48, well, we actually have two, two independents who caucus with the Democrats. We have 48 Democrats. And then we have the VP. It all has to be in alignment for a piece of legislation to pass. If, the, if there's one person that decides they don't want to pass it, or change a rule like Mansion does, or Cinema, then you don't. Then you can't go any further. And that's if you want to have a simple majority. Most bills require 60 um, votes to pass because of the, the legislative filibuster in the Senate, and that's a whole different story. Then you have on the House side, you have you have we have 221 House of Representatives who are Democrats. So you need 218 to pass a bill on most good days with everyone's everyone is in place. So people don't know understand math as well as civics, I would say, because they don't really understand the numbers that are required in order to pass a bill. And that is the problem right there. I know that you talked about um I know that you talked about um black people like black members of the media and being part like having them in the media having black folks in the media that would educate people in terms of in terms of uh of of what the legislative branch does what what why does why are the mid midterms important and so forth why do you feel that the media doesn't in so many words, do a better job of educating uh, viewers about midterms and things of that nature? Well, I would say the media, if you actually watch the shows that they have on there, most of the time what they're talking about is not about actual facts, it's about opinions, right? So people are going on these shows to talk about their opinion on a specific subject. They're not there to educate. They're not there to give facts. They're there to tell their opinion. And usually when you're leading with an opinion, you are not giving an educative um, assessment of what is really truly happening. And that right there is a major problem, which is why I call um, a lot of what 
the media is is like gossip columns. It's like TMZ style. So you have you have your TMZ kind of reporters, and then you have your anchors, right? So you have your Joy Reid. If you ever watch her show, she's she doesn't really give a lot of information. Of course, they go through the top stories of the day, but then the rest of the program is literally about opinions of people who are coming on her show. She gives her opinion, you know, they give their opinion, and then we move on. We don't really have a true news program, in my opinion, where there's somebody just giving, like back in the day, the Peter Jennings, where they're going through whatever the news stories of the day, and then you kind of make your own assessments. We have to hear everybody's opinion on what's going on, especially on cable news. And it's frustrating because people, yes, people should make their own assessments of what's going on, but you would hope that people would, at least if you're gonna give your opinion, at least give it in a proper way. I say one person who really does a good job is James Carville. Whenever he's on um, cable news, he always gives like an opinion, but he also gives facts to back his opinion up and a lot of people don't do that they just kind of just shoot from whatever they're feeling on any given day and I, I I don't think that's that's fair to the viewers and I don't think it even my mom is frustrated with the media like why don't they ever talk about you know what is really truly happening versus what their opinions are like we don't need the shade room like that's what the shade room does right they give us their opinion on whatever new story is for the day. Why, why do we want that on our cable news? That's unnecessary. It's frustrating to me. And I think when you think about like, for example, with black politicians, they always go on the breakfast club or the shade room. And why do you think they don't, you know, why do you think those outlets are the go-to places for black politicians? Well, I think for the for the Breakfast Club, it is a visible show. People do watch it. People you you know watch it on YouTube. People I don't know why they like Charlemagne. They tend to think he you know he they like they like the comedic aspect of the show. It's not really that they want to gather information. They like the comedic part of it. You know the kind of brash. You know Howard Stern kind of information that they get from it so it's not really it's not it's kind of sensationalized it's not really something that's gonna give you a lot of information but i i i always wondered why black politicians even politicians in general went on his show during you know the primaries of course you know he had the thing with joe the you know the smoking weed thing with kamala like there's always some kind of controversy that has come out of it but when you think about it, that's what those shows are really about. I mean, it's about celebrity. It's about, um, you know, just kind of, you know, just talking. But when you're talking, it's not really about, it's not really about politics. It's not really about anything. They're just asking questions. Charlamagne, he wants to talk about the, the black agenda. Charlamagne doesn't even know civics. Like, it doesn't even make any sense. Like, you're talking to somebody who, who barely you know knows anything about what's happening in our actual legislative branch, anything that's happening in the judicial branch. He knows top of the line stuff, headlines, things that people talk about, but he doesn't really understand our politics. And that's the problem with going on those shows. And the shade room is literally just about gossip. I mean, at the end of the day, that's what the shade room is. It's about gossip, celebrity gossip. You know, I know Kamala went on there. Um, not too long ago, you know, she just said, I'm stepping in the shade rooms, talk about something, but it does grab people's attention, right? People are lazy. Mm -hmm. They don't want to read. They don't read articles. People don't read articles. They they don't really watch the news because watching the news means they, they have to be off of social media. Um, so they really don't, they don't really consume that media to gather information. They consume it to see whatever the gossip is for the day and keep it moving and laugh or whatever. And then they move on. So it's just kind of one of those weird things where it's a, a lot of it is celebrity because really at the end of the day, what is Charlemagne? He's like a he's like a, a hood celebrity, I would say, right? He's not really like anybody yeah, I think, who knows anything, right? He's not he's not even like he's smart. like the, the thing that I gather from Charlemagne is that people in the hood, they're gonna love him and they're gonna embrace him because they see themselves in him right they don't see themselves if he was like very informative 
and was a great interviewer or anything of that nature, the hood would not see it that way. Right, they would say he's a square, he's, you know, he's an Uncle Tom, like they got all these, you know, they would say that he he's not being authentic to him. So I appreciate the fact that he's always authentic to himself. It doesn't mean that he's smart or doesn't mean that he's great. It's just who, that's who he is. And if you're going on his show, you kind of know what to expect, right? That's kind of who he is. I mean, VP done ripped his ass up on his own show the last time he was there because he tried to get cute. And she knew what to expect because she knows him. And he, he pushes the limits. He's always done that from the very beginning. He pushes people's buttons to try to get them to react or say something silly or whatever. Yeah, I mean, Monique did it to him. Monique ran up. Lord, up. she sure She did. cleared his ass. So yeah, it's like he needs that. He needs that. It's so, like here's the thing. You notice he never he didn't do that to Elizabeth Warren. Mm-hmm. You know, yeah, he you notice he didn't do it to him uh to uh Elizabeth Warren or Joe Biden. Yeah, well, you know what it is with I feel like I feel like when you are talk when these people are talking to people like Elizabeth Warren or Pete Buttigieg or I mean he did try with he did kind of try with Biden and then Biden got mad he made that stupid comment um but at the end of the day you you could tell how people like talk to certain people I don't know what it is like you're trying not like you, they walk on eggshells for certain people, but they don't with others. I don't know if it's a comfortable thing. Like with Kamala, if it was like a more comfortable thing, she knew they knew her, he knew her. So he felt like he could, you know, be like I said, be cute and, you know, come at her a different way. But then other people, you have to be like professional. And it shouldn't be that way. It should be professional across the board. It shouldn't, it shouldn't be professional only to white people. Like that's, that's ridiculous to me. It should be professional all the time. Um, you know, living here in New Orleans, um, one thing I said, and I see this all the time, I've seen some black service industry workers treat black customers like shit mm. and white customers like royalty. Yeah. It's I've seen it happen I've seen so it much. Too. I've seen it too, because like I said, they get, I don't know what it is. It's a weird, it's a, one of those weird things where people feel it's that plantation like, bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's like, my thing is, self-hate. listen, I'm about consistency, right? You treat, you just treat people the same across the board. You don't treat people one way because they're white or you don't treat people one way because they're black. You treat people the same. Now, some people, if they get out of line, then you might have to treat them a little bit different. But why should I have to treat a white person any different than I would to somebody who looks like me? Like, that's not gonna, that's not gonna happen. Like, I'm not kowtowing to you because you have white skin. Like, that doesn't even make sense to me. I'm not going above and beyond to cater to you because you have white skin. You are no different than me in any kind of way. And you need to treat people with respect regardless of what they look like. And it shouldn't matter what, if you know, they're black, Latino, white you know whatever they may be respect is respect and they better give me the same kind of respect back i don't know it's kind of it's one of those things where people just need to stop trying to to cater to what white what they think white people want because it's not even what they what white people expect is what they think they want and that's problematic and you know that's a perfect segue into um Brie Newsome huh. and one of the things I said was that Brie Newsome is nothing more than a mascot for white for uh, for, for white folks and nothing could be more close to the truth than the stuff that she talked about um on what was that Friday? Yeah, it was like, like Friday, Friday, Saturday. Yeah, I think it was like late. Yeah, Friday, Friday Saturday. Because I remember I showed it to you, mm. and I was just pissed because I feel like this: how you got up 
that flagpole was not because you chose to do it, which I, I take that back. She did choose to do it, but the elders that put in all the work years and years ago, without that, you wouldn't have went up that damn flagpole. Mm-hmm. So for her to be as disrespectful as she was on that with them with them tweets, it, it just makes me think very hard about what was her real desire when she went up that damn flagpole to take down the Confederate flag. I mean, I think I think maybe at I, like I, I, this is how I feel. I think at that point her intentions were probably good, right? But what I've noticed in the last couple of years is that once people start getting notoriety, then they start to switch up, right? So maybe at that point when she did it, she was she was totally convinced that this was the right thing to do. But then as she got more, you know, more Twitter followers, she got more, you know, media following, she, you know, was on certain things, like she became, she became pseudo famous, famous, like she was not famous, famous, but she is somebody that people remember from that moment, like an iconic moment. And so now she has notoriety. And she has, and a lot of the people that do follow her are progressives. And she has to keep up with what they want, or she feels like she has to say things. And maybe she believes them. I don't really know her like that, but maybe she actually believes the bullshit that she says. But disrespecting the ancestors, disrespecting the elders, disrespecting the hard work that people have put in before you is unacceptable. It's totally unacceptable. She doesn't know everything. She barely knows, to me, she doesn't really know that much because half the time when she tweets, I'm like, what the hell is she even talking about? And then she doesn't even leave on comments. So she doesn't even want to have a dialogue about it. She just wants to spew her opinion. And that's it. That's that's the end of the story. So what, what, who are you really trying to impress with these tweets that you're, that you're posting? Because you're not, you're not impressing me. You're not impressing, you know, somebody who has actual literacy in and an understanding of politics or even just life in general, because who the hell is going to believe half the shit you're saying? Like, it's like, it's even, it's some of it is even uncomprehensible. Like, it doesn't even make sense. But that's who, but who is she really, who is she posting for? Who is paying her to post these things? And it's not just her. Like I said, there's other people. Miss Latasha, I don't know what the hell's going on with her. I asked her a question. I asked her a question and said, okay, you live in Georgia, right? Okay. What are you doing? Because you want everybody else to do stuff, but what mm-hmm. are you doing? Like that that's the that's the question. And she couldn't answer. She didn't yeah, block she, me. She blocked you guys. She, she didn't block me. me. And all I asked the lady was because she was, you know, she had posted that that article that, you know, said that she didn't want that she didn't want Biden to come or her group didn't want Biden to come because he unless he had a plan. So she posted the article and I saw it and I was like, okay, what is this lady even talking about? Right. I'm like, whatever. So then I said to her, you know, what is your plan to get Stacey Abrams, Raphael Warnock? And Lucy McBath, McBath, re, you know, elected, like, or reelected. And so she, and I, I said, because if you want, if you expect somebody else to have a plan, then you need to tell me what your plan is. Like, I want to know what your plan is too, because I want to be able to donate to Stacey Abrams. I may be able to donate to your group. If you could tell me what it is that you are planning to do, because if you're not planning to do anything, then why the hell would I give to your group? Like, that doesn't make any sense. So then she responds back to me and she basically tells me, this is her response back to me because it's just so damn stupid. And I'm just like sitting here like, lady, did you, did you realize what you just said to me? Because it doesn't even make sense. She tells me, um, let's see, where is it? She says, you think that's my job? You want me to do more work in a state where the laws make it harder in light of the fact that folks, we put into power, haven't protected or restored our rights. Nah, tell me your plan. I don't need another assignment for me to do more. 
I, so basically right there, you're telling me that you're not going to do nothing. Because guess what? Georgia has had voter suppression for many, many years. Yes, this law that they put in place is even makes it even worse. But if you weren't going to, if you did the work before, then why the hell aren't you going to, are, are you not going to do the work now? Like you could literally have a black governor, a good black governor, not just because uh, you could, I mean, there's another, there's other people who are running in Georgia, like Herschel Walker, who are black, but they ain't worth a damn. But you could have a good black governor. You could keep your excellent senator. You could keep Lucy McBath, who who probably who who has to shift um, districts because of her because of gerrymandering. So what are you planning to do for these people? And that was her response to me. And I was just like, wow, this is your response to me when I'm asking you that question. So of course I'm gonna come back snarky. Like, this is your job. Like, you are a voting rights person. Like, this is your job. You're supposed to be encouraging people to register for, to vote. You're supposed to be encouraging people to vote. So why are you, what is your problem? So then later on in the day, you know, I'm like, I'm not going to mince words. Like, if you don't want Biden to come, then you need to have a plan. Like, who are you? Like, you, you did, what are you doing? Like, what are you, what is your purpose? Because I'm, I'm starting to question your whole being. I'm starting to question who you are and what you're about. And I don't want to do that because I did respect her. I respected the fact that she helped in 2020 to get, you know, um, you know, to get Biden elected, to get Warner elected. Ostoff. She was, she was on the front lines doing that work that I wasn't doing. So I respect you, but you're not giving me an opportunity to respect you. If you can't tell me what you're going to do in 2022, it's not 2020 anymore. It's 2022 now. So I don't really understand these people that get, like I said, get a little bit of notoriety and then they think they too cute for themselves because you still, you still work with the people and for the people. So you should be able to kind of convey to us what it is you're trying to do to help the people in your state as well as other states. Cause her, her group doesn't only focus on Georgia. I mean, it's a national organization. Tell me what you want to do. I mean, I I mean, that's what they, that's what they do. That's what they do best. It's do all our work for us. And then we'll talk. They don't know. They, they like to bitch, but they don't like to get their hands dirty. And one of the things I said was one of the things I said was this, and you can you can you can disagree or agree with me on this. I remember telling somebody during um, the the Black Lives Matter protest last year, well, two years ago. I remember saying to somebody, I said, you know something. Freedom Summer, the way it happened and the way it took place, it could not happen in this day and age. And you want to know why? Because some of these people would just be there for the gram or they would be complaining so motherfucking much because it's not, it's not, uh, sorry about that. Um, if Freedom Summer was around now, a lot of these people would not make it. They wouldn't. Because all they would have been doing is complaining about conditions and everything. You know, they wouldn't have been able to do the dirty work. Oh, it's on. Sorry. Oh, yeah. Just uh, hold on. I'm here now. Okay, sorry. I'm talking oh, yeah. and I'm realizing I was on mute. Um, oh, yeah. I'm here. All right. So honestly, like, if you if you're an activist or if that if you're in Congress or you or just somebody on Twitter, like, please just 
stop complaining. Like, show me what you wanted. Show me what you plan to do. Because telling me just complaining does not get us anywhere. How does that help? How does that help us get to 53 senators? How does that help us get to more than having four seat majority in the house? Like none of that helps anybody. So if your cause is, you know, like you said, um, like what is just uh, criminal justice, then you should be advocating for the bills to be passed. You need you need to have more senators to do that. There's things that can be done on the state, the local level. If your if your advocacy is for you know student loan debt cancellation, guess what? Go call your girl Elizabeth Warren and tell her to make a bill. If your advocacy is for voting, then have a plan to uh, plan A, B, C, D. Because guess what? As soon as a voting rights bill is passed, it's probably going to go to the courts. So then, what are you going to do then? So we all need to have plans on what it is that we whatever we advocate for that there is a there is an understanding that things may not happen the way we want it to, but okay, but then well, what do we do next? Because defund the police was defund the police. I mean, it happened in some cities, it happened in, not, in no cities. It's not a realistic policy change that the slogan is not doing anything. When, I mean, how many times do we tell them that? Your slogan isn't doing anything. They won't thing. listen to that. Yeah, your slogan. But the thing is, they, but the, they, truth, the truth is that it, Without the slogan, some of those things that they want are actually happening, right? So like in my city, well, town, they we did do some defund the police type things. Like we shifted some funds to be able to have, um, you know, more mental, mental health officers, to have more, you know, like a, a crisis, a crisis team. Instead of having police show up, they have a crisis team that will show up for a domestic violence type situation or whatever it may be. But these things are happening, but they're not happening because of a slogan. They're literally happening because of the advocacy that people are doing and the work that they're doing in the community, not because of a damn slogan. Mm-hmm. And that's what they don't understand. And it's pissing they, me off. They, all they, they, here's the thing. They believe that activism is all hashtags it's not it's getting your hands dirty exactly exactly and it is and it, it, it's sort of like with with uh always on camera Ugh. you know she is just the worst and, and 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 here's the thing i want to like her me too but what she she doesn't do anything yeah, she doesn't do anything. She what did she do this week? She went when well last week she went to freaking or the week before that. I don't know. I don't even remember when it was. She went, it was like, yeah, it's definitely like New Year's or last, it was last week, I think. She went to Florida and they, of course, the Republicans spotted her, took pictures and all kinds of things. And we all know that COVID is surging and you're in Florida with no mask, h- hanging out with Billy Porter, and now this week she has COVID. Like did you think that you was going to go to Florida and you weren't going to get COVID? I mean, co- Florida is kind of the capital of COVID at this point. So you thought going there was a good look. I mean, granted, everybody needs a vacation, but why did why did you think going to Florida was a good look and then not even being protected? Like, just because you have a booster or a vaccine doesn't protect you from COVID. I mean, you're yeah, it protects you from getting sick, but you could still get COVID. Everybody knows that. So what are you doing? Like, you're just making a mockery out of, of the, the whole situation. Can't really talk about Ron DeSantis, Ron DeSantis, who we all know is just horrible. If you are in his state and you're dancing around, like the whole thing just doesn't make any sense. And not to mention the fact that she really hasn't passed any legislation in the, in the, in the full, almost, well, it'll be, it'll be almost four years that she would be in the, in the Congress like, what have you really done? Like, I just don't understand why she she and her friends in the squad think that just talking and hashtagging and being on Instagram and social media is doing the work. That's not doing the work. You're just, I mean, she's very savvy at, 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 at social media. But you need to actually put in the work. And then when you think about her in comparison to people that are, that came in the same class as her, right? So you have like Joe Nagoose, 
you have um, Connor Lamb, you have Lauren Underwood, you have all these people that came in. That class was huge. There was 41 people that came in that class with, you know, all together. And the six people who get the most attention, well, the four that came in that class and the two that came after, Corey Bush and Bowman, they aren't doing anything. And those people are way ahead of them in terms of legislation and getting bills passed and all that stuff. So who are you fooling? You're not fooling us because we can pull your record. And the people who do I mean, think which that I'm you, doing right now. Yeah, the I'm people. I'm talking to you. Ooh, child. Dude, like, it's, I'm it's, looking at it right now. And in terms of bills sponsored, Jamal Bowman has passed none. Yep. But he's introduced legislation. Yeah, I mean, you can introduce it. But again, this is the part that people don't understand about civics, right? You can introduce anybody. Anybody in the Congress can introduce legislation. But the question is, where does it go after that, right? It has to go in the committee. If your bill doesn't make it out of committee, it can never be passed. You need to have sponsors. Most of AOC's bills have like only the squad that is sponsoring it. So what does what does that really mean in terms of getting things done? It doesn't mean anything because anybody could put a, up a bill. I mean, you could just say, I'm, I'm proposing X, Y, and Z. And it's going to go into a file and you need people to sponsor it. You need, you need it to work through the committee, to get passed in the committee, to leave the committee, to then go to the floor to get passed. And she hasn't done any of that. And she's useless at this point. It's, it's, you know, you want to, you know, as I say, you want to like her, but she just makes it so damn hard. Same way with Jamal Bowman. It's like, you're talking about the fund, the police, and you have the NYPD at a job fair. And security. Yeah. Let's not forget he has his own private security. So this is what I'm Corey saying. Bush too. Yeah, they have their own private security. They have, you know, you you have protections, and yet you didn't even want to fund the protections for the capital in a place where you work because you will are for defund the police. Like the logic doesn't really make sense to me. Mind you, AOC was the one who was crying on camera that she thought she was gonna die that day. And yet you chose not to fund the police that protects you on a daily basis at your job, all in the name of defund the police. I, I mean, mean, they're nothing more, they're nothing more than chaos agents. And they're nothing more than um, what we're gonna say. They're mascots. Like yes. they don't do shit. Like they don't do shit. They're it's like heads. AOC has done more traveling around the country than past legislation. So yeah, she's probably done more. She's probably done more lives than she has past bills because she loves Instagram, dancing around and and doing whatever wherever. I mean, she was in the racial chat rooms, showing feet. Child, that I saw that. I was like, "What is happening here? I don't understand." I was the like, whole, the whole "This is why no one likes you." Yeah, but everyone's it's all like, performative. It's all performative. Every single one of them is performative in their own way, right? So Cori Bush and her stunt on the Capitol where she just sat there and she had all her snacks and her, and her folding chair and she spent the night there. I mean, what did at the end of the day, what did that really do? Because work was being done behind the scenes, you know, like Nancy Pelosi- And she's not inside doing yeah, work. Yeah, you're, you're not in the building to be able to get things done, but you're outside the building looking like a damn fool sitting there on a chair and people ate it up. Like people actually ate that up and was like, oh my God, she's doing something so good. But what does she really do other than sit there? And I can say, I don't hate these people. I do not even dislike them. I just don't understand them at all. I don't understand what their purpose is in the Congress. If the purpose of being there is for your constituents to do constituent services, to be able to pass legislation that helps your community and your district, what are you doing there other than taking up space? And you know what? At the end of the day, people will reelect them to their to their respective seats. But 
only because there's not somebody better that's going to take it from them. So if somebody comes and really truly challenges them that has a name, I think they would lose. But no one has stepped up to the plate to do it. And I'm Someone's curious to see what I'm yeah, so I'm tired of them. I'm, I'm just tired of them because, you know, nobody likes to do work, okay? Work is boring, but you have to do it. Yep. Everybody has to do the work. Like, there's no, there's no not doing work at this point if we want to keep our democracy. So you're you're literally in the building. You need to do the work that needs to be done. Us on the us on the outside, we will do what we need to do, whether that's talking to family, gathering donations, you know, canvassing, whatever, making calls to people, like whatever needs to be done, we're gonna do it on our end. But if you are, if you need to keep your seat, then please just act, just act right. Like just don't become a a, a like a like a puppet for the progressive because you know at the end of the day these people are funded by white people white yeah. progressives i mean you look at and they're you look at where uh cory bush won it she won in predominantly white pre precincts exactly exactly i i i tend to feel like and i hate to say this but the the, the justice democrats they're putting up these black and latino candidates and they're like the face of their organization and they're getting them into congress but then they're not doing anything so what is even the point what is the point of having them there is it just for them to be disruptive because if the point is just to be disruptive then i don't understand why anyone is paying them any mind and i blame the media also for that right as we talked about in the, in the beginning the media also plays into what they do so the media you if you listen to the media you would think especially cable news that aoc's positions and jamal bowman's positions and the progressives positions is the mainstream position and it's not it's just that they pay them the most attention yeah Which i mean because they're they 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 sell and aoc personally she passes enough to be the per person that checks off the diversity checkbox. Exactly. Exactly. And they know I it. Mean, and, and these white folks know it that are backing them. Like they know that if they put somebody who looks like the people in their respective neighborhoods so like where AOC's district is in New York it's predominantly Latino they know that if they I mean she was a bartender like this is not even like a joke like she's literally a bartender they decided to fund her and she ran and she won she called dude slipping let's be real and she looked like the people in the neighborhood she sounded like the people in the neighborhood and they elected her but that doesn't mean that she was that she was qualified. It doesn't mean that she had the skills to be able to be a congressperson. Clearly she doesn't because she's not doing anything. She's not doing anything. And some people can get in that way and they can be amazing, but I just don't see her as being amazing. I just see her as being mediocre. And she just gets the most attention, which is frustrating. Whereas somebody like Lauren Underwood, who has passed eight bills, is amazing and she gets no and she gets no attention or hardly any attention from the media like we're asked backwards it, it's so annoying and the thing is lauren underwood is is representing an area that is like 78 percent white yeah like AO, aoc could not win out there like she Naperville is like Naperville is like Lily unseasoned chicken white. Like I have a friend who is from like um Libertyville. It's outside Chicago. And you you he was like, you can count maybe all the black people in in the in the in the area on one hand crazy and she won <laughs> she won she won she won a uh, 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 uh an area 
that is 80% white. Cory Bush couldn't do that. Jamal Bowman couldn't do that. Yep. Yeah, they can't win here. I'm in Maryland. They cannot win in my district. My district is mostly white people. There's, I would say there's probably about 60% white people, about 30%, you know, um, about 15% um, black, and then about maybe like 10% Latino, and then the rest is kind of like mixed and Asian in, in between. She cannot win here. And this, and my district is not, is a democratic district, but they're not gonna elect somebody who is a progressive. There's just not gonna happen. People need to know where they, where they live and who is the candidate that could win in their area. These people cannot win in most places in America, except outside of New York. They couldn't even win dog catcher. Yeah. Yeah, they probably couldn't win city council at this point. In they, most they, might, they might could. It depends on what city. Depends on the city. Like you said, depends on the city. It, it depends but, on the city. But, but I, I will say this in, in closing. Um, you talked about Florida. Uh, Florida, uh, I think 11. Uh, what was the district? Oh, Florida um, 20. Florida 20. Florida 20. All right. Um, that election is this week? Yep, 11th. The 11th. So, yeah, tomorrow. Oh. What's the 11th? Tomorrow. 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 Yes, yeah, so tomorrow. Yep. Yep. Um, what's the, how's the tea leaves looking out in, in Florida for Florida 20? Um, at this point, she's going to win the woman who is running. I cannot, I, I forgot, Sherry, some, I forgot her name. Um, she has a, a longer name. It's like hyphenated, but she is, she's a democratic candidate. She beat, um, the, the nine can or 10 candidates that she was running against. She literally won by four votes. Did I just say that four votes? This is why voting matters. She won by four votes. She is more, she is definitely going to win that race. And she will be coming to Congress. And I mean, she's a black woman. She is a former business owner and she doesn't really have a lot of experience, so to speak, but she had a lot of money. She, she spent about $2 million to win that race out of her own pocket. So homegirl had money. We don't know where she got the money from. I don't know if a progressive group gave it to her, but she is a progressive. She is from Medicare for all, but I don't think she's going to go and join the squad. I thought at first maybe, but I think by the fact that she only won by four votes, I think she may reconsider that. So. Right, right. But Tiffany, thank you so much for joining me on the podcast. Folks, the podcast will be up on Wednesday. As always, thank you for your your time this time and as always we will see you down the 